Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. This is your host, Francesco. And today, we have the absolute pleasure to have a long-term friend and a fellow AppSec ally on the other side of the pond, uh, Richard Greenberg, that is currently the founder and the CIO of Security Advisor, LLC. Also a fellow speaker, an advisor, and the organizer of Application Security Cali, one of my favorite conference. ISILA, also very, very, very well populated and well located, and the OSP LA chapter. Richard, welcome to the show. Francesco, it's a pleasure to see you again and, and talk. <laughs> we were just discussing how we miss those in-person meetings, but we'll have to try to have a little discussion today and, and bring back those fond memories. Absolutely. We will, we will imagine we're chilling by the pool uh, at uh, Annenberg House that for who hasn't been at AppSec um, in, in Los Angeles. It was uh, a fantastic place where the conference happened. And thanks for Richard to organizing that amazing conference. One of my favorite ones. And actually the last conference I've spoken in person this year. <laughs> yeah, we were on the beach uh, watching the sunsets for a couple of nights in a row there and listen to some unbelievable speakers. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's amazing content, amazing location, amazing conference. So uh, again, thank you. Thank you for doing it. For, for organizing that. I know how hard work it is because we are organizing the event right now and I feel you paid. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that networking in person brings so much to each person that's participating. It's more than can be put into, into words. There's that, that connection that yeah, you no. just can't, can't have it in Zoom. You, you need that person to person stuff. There's something under the scenes that happens uh, when we interact. Um, Absolutely. And and strong. we are an organization made by people. We are in an industry made by people and those conference bring us together. So it's, it's the only chance and the only moment where we can, you know, disconnect from the screen and really know the person that is behind a certain tweet or a certain research or a certain talk and ask the question in person. And that's, that's amazing. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, can't wait until we do these in-person events. We have to get the, the pants out of the closet again. True, true, true. I haven't, I haven't used a lot of my suits and, and stuff. Well, not that I use them in, in Cali anyway. But, but before we dive in in the conversation, do you want to give our audience a little bit background about yourself, what you've been up to uh, nowadays? Sure, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. As you kindly mentioned, I form my own... Uh, company, Security Advisors LLC. We specialize in network penetration testing. Uh, we provide services to our clients a bit more than you might see in those big companies that come out with their templates and you know, sell you on their name. 
uh, we specialize in a bit of more handholding, sometimes um, being there as a partner to help formulate the remediation strategies uh, from our findings. You know, of course, we have the technical reports, but we also provide beautiful executive reports mm-hmm. that uh, you can pass on. But we do give the opportunity to take care of that low-hanging fruit and some of the some of the more reachable, high-risk vulnerabilities. And then we'll do a rescan. So the uh, the report will look a bit better after we help you guys clean it up. So that's that's kind of like what what we specialize in. You know, that handholding. Um, some companies don't need it, but we found that more do than not. Um, they yeah. won't admit it publicly. That's okay. You know, I also believe in giving back to the community. Uh, and for over a dozen years now, I have been volunteering for um, ISSA Los Angeles, the Information System Security Association. Um, LA was indeed the founding chapter over 30 years ago. Many people are not aware of that. And formed by a woman. Amazing. And, and yes. And we haven't progressed quite enough where we should be regarding women in the field. And there's multiple reasons behind that. I know you and I are both strong proponents of diversity in the workforce and we do what we can. uh, With all the challenge, with all the challenge that that implies. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, you mentioned the conferences and one of the things that I did in our ISSA security summit that I, that was occurring every year in, in May, uh, we made sure to have incorporated into that a women in security forum. Mm-hmm. Throughout the two days, there were women speakers on, on every topic, right? Not just women in the field, but technical talks, really good talks, all every time slot, right? And so, you know, that was my way of putting my money mouth where my mouth is, so to speak, yeah. doing that. You know, it's it's been it's been a good journey because the work that I've done with ISSA and, and also uh, with OWASP, I chair the uh, both summits, uh, the security summit for ISSA and AppSec California, mm-hmm. uh, but also the chapter lead at both of those organizations here in Los Angeles. And I had the distinct honor of being elected uh, last year to the OWASP Global Board of Directors, which brings with it a myriad of challenges, uh, but great opportunities too. And some of the things uh, that I ran in my platform, I'm proud to say that we have accomplished to help OWASP. Other things are still in process. Um, it's ongoing, right? OWASP is a, is a wonderful, passionate community of dedicated people who volunteer countless hours in not just helping run chapters, but but building, building software and putting it out there for the world to use for free. Uh, it's incredible. I, I, it's a unique organization from that perspective, and, and I'm proud, proud of that. Um, so, and has built a- has grown massively, especially from the days of just the top ten and the side project to I don't know how many flagship project project does it has uh, does it does it have uh, nowadays? It's like more than ten. <laughs> They've been more than the top ten. They were. Um- yeah, there's, there's an amazing breadth and depth of work going out there right now. And uh, we're really, really proud of the work. And again, it's, it's, all, it's a volunteer army, right? Mm-hmm. And so with, with that comes its challenges of just the logistics and the management of how that all works. But, you know, you have, as I said, these people are really dedicated. And so it, it, it works, right? It could be more efficient, 
but we, we also want to respect people's individuality and their, their desires and, and their uh, dreams. So we can't implement a corporate, you know. No, 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 not in a, in a, in a non-for-profit organization. And I had the UK chapter for the Cloud Security Alliance, so I absolutely relate to that. And it's difficult because sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's herding cats and you need to be mindful and respectful that everybody drives those organizations on the back of their free time. So sometimes people are struggling to give back free times, but you need to be absolutely mindful of that and always kind enough to thanks for all the little contribution. And sometimes you can achieve great things, sometimes you can achieve smaller things, but as long as you push the industry forward, I think that's, that's where the contribution and that's the open source and open sourceness uh, of those organizations um, give back. So. True, but you know, COVID-19 has given us our commute time back, so there's even more time, right? <laughs> I don't think I don't think has given me back much more of commute time. I've given more, more task because I, I tend to fill up my commute time with a tons of other things. <laughs> But I hear you in LA is is a nightmare. Yeah, well, you know, you and I have talked. I think we've we both uh, taken this sequestration opportunity to uh, to to really work on on our, our health, and we're both working out and. Um, We're doing it in different ways, but I'm back in my routine. So uh, hopefully I'll be around in this community for decades to come. Yes. And that's absolutely important that right now we don't slack off and we don't get too much relaxed, but keeping our health up and uh, keeping the, the focus on, uh, on balancing because right now all our schedule was completely turned upside down. Right. That's absolutely true. Um, You know, there's a few Zoom sessions I've set up with friends and with colleagues. Um, and that's keeping us sane, I think, right? Yeah, it's keeping that connection alive, but also keeping the structure alive. So I, I started the exercise and the challenge that we were just speaking about because it gives me the morning and the evenings and uh, I keep the structure on, on the day. I don't tend to uh, destroy my structure in terms of hours. But actually, on, on the subject of, of uh, suggestion and advice, we have a tradition on the podcast that we give a very, very quick cybersecurity advice to the community. So, Richard, what will be your cybersecurity advice? Don't just preach to the choir. Get out there and talk to the other people, the business leaders, the other division heads, wherever you work, on things that are important. Because we all kind of know and, and agree on what's important within our field of cybersecurity, but we need the word to get out there more to others, right? Yeah, I, I can't agree more with you because cybersecurity is such a big field. We have problem everywhere. It's just not talking to just IT people, but talking to the organization uh, as a whole. And speaking about, uh, you've been a passionate uh, member of uh, OWASP and organizing conference and speaking yourself. So big, big, big leader in the outreach and the, the opportunity. And as a leader, also you support women in InfoSec. So what suggestion would you give to somebody that starts right now? Would you, would you say just don't go on stage or go on stage as soon as you can? Uh, what, what would be your suggestion? I guess I'll direct this to all the organizers and all the 
chapter leaders from all the different organizations out there. Every meeting that I have, or that I had, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get back there soon enough, I make it a point to address everyone who's in attendance and ask them, would you like to develop your speaking skills? Would you like to do an introductory talk at one of our meetings? You know, 15 minutes on mm-hmm. something you're passionate about. Pick something that you know very well, because if the audience asks questions, you want that confidence that you can answer them, right? Don't, don't give me what you think I want, because then you'll feel a little bit uh, exposed up there. Um, but we've had some people give talks that were their first ever. Um, they were incredibly grateful and um, they've gone on to give more talks. You know, let's face it, what's the predominant personality type of an information security professional? It's an introvert. Yeah, you and I are exceptions, but in most people it's difficult. And so in a warm, forgiving environment like these meetings that we have, what better place, right? It's almost like, yeah, so that's one of the things. Just getting involved in as many organizations as possible is, is really helpful. You get to interact with people. You might make acquaintances and, ha- and have one of your best friends in the future mm-hmm. at one of these you don't know about. And they might be able to give you some great advice about speaking and, and talking. Um, but everyone has something to share. Everybody. So it, it's something that uh, I can't stress enough. Uh, get outside of your comfort zone. You know, make yourself uncomfortable. Absolutely, absolutely agree. It's it's a great advice, and also for all the organizers to push and mentor and coach uh, effectively all your in well all your members because it's a scary factor to jump on stage. And I am actually a recover a recovering shy person, <laughs> and uh, I force myself to do a lot of talks. I do uh, a lot of video talks and. Uh, right now, we have the absolute chance to effectively go on stage, on virtual stage. So you you don't have the stage fright because you don't actually talk to people. You have the medium. So maybe it's a good chance for people that are more introvert to, you know, flourish and show their skills and the capability on, on this virtual platform. So from all the bad that COVID has given us, maybe has given an opportunity to a lot of people that normally wouldn't have gone on stage with even 10 people on the stage. But I think, Richard, your advice on pushing every member a little bit, getting them out of the comfort zone, but giving them a safe environment where they can push their skill, it's a great advice uh, to start speaking because ultimately it's, it's an organization made by people, as I always say, is an industry made by people. And it, the more connection you get, the more you can learn for free, and the more you could get the friend of your life or the opportunity of your life, you know, it's, it's taking that CV step uh, beyond just the recruiter, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, there's a culture I know in America, and it's, I, I suspect it's worldwide, it varies from culture to culture, where failure is shunned upon, failure mm. is down upon. While in reality, failure is the greatest builder of character and experience of anything. You will remember your failures and grow and build on that more than you will your successes. Yeah. And you will get more successes as a result of failure. Because how do you fail? 
You fail if you put yourself out there and try something a little bit outside of your comfort zone. And then if it goes sour, you're afraid of the consequences. However, the greatest inventions in, in humankind are the results of failure and trying yeah. over and over. So again, uh, people need to feel really uncomfortable to be successful. And if you speak to the most successful people, they'll tell you the same things. Yeah, I mean, we can say oh, most of the CEOs have failed multiple times before succeeding, and they probably would have never been in the position where they were. But I agree with you, it's uh, normally uh, frowned upon. On the, I mean, failing is frowned upon, but you also learn how to recover fast from a failure. So if you never fail, you're overconfident, and you never, you never learn how to recover fast. And in our field, Failure is everything. I mean, even application security, cloud security, everything that we do is testing, see where things fail. And uh, application security is all about, you know, testing, 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 and applies to tools, to technology, but also applies to people. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is if you fail, own up to it, take responsibility, be a, a, a mature, responsible professional. Right. Um, I, had, I can't tell you how many times as a, a CISO, I was interacting with people on the IT side who refused to take responsibility uh, for things. And as a result, mm -hmm. there became a, a difficult relationship because they looked at my assessments as a way to expose their inadequacies. When in reality, I'm just trying to save the company or the organization. They took it personally because they were afraid of failure because they did not want to own up to something they did not do correctly. But come on, it's impossible to 100% secure uh, an environment. It's impossible. We know that. So you, any assessment is going to uncover something. And so there has to be a lot of human interaction working with, with the peers um, in IT and security. They have to work together. And an understanding supported by upper management that, hey, this is, this is good for the organization, right? We respect both parties. Let's just get this done and move on, right? But, um, you know, that culture permeates. It's, it's something that people need to be aware of. Anyone who's done an assessment can understand where I'm coming from, I would suspect. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. But then putting your CISO hat or putting your... Um, uh, multiple years of experience hands on can you tell maybe a stories where a failure story that turns into a success or maybe in something similar that can inspire people to own this own the failure or, or turn it around in terms of success well you know i have i have hired people with various degrees of background and um sometimes they weren't aware security wise as much but they may be an, an IT expert mm -hmm. and um, you know some some people that I've brought in have not worked out others have been incredibly successful you know over the years yeah, I get better and better at, at identifying people uh, interview processes can be tricky but there was one time I was under a lot of pressure to hire someone I did not want to uh, mm -hmm. it was against my instincts and I caved because there was budget issues and I might not have that opportunity to bring somebody in if I didn't act quickly, brought someone in, the person was not right for the position. What I did 
I reevaluated the strengths that this person did bring to the table and I reworked my organizational structure, reassigned that person to a different area, moved some other people around, took a little bit of responsibilities from person A, B, and C, mm-hmm. you know, mixed it up with, with some eye of Newton and some time and rosemary. And uh, <laughs> it actually worked out great. This person shown in that area, they were focusing on the wrong thing in their career when they really had skills in something else. And, um, you know, it was touch and go for a while, but I did some mentoring and I connected them with some other people in the organization and uh, really was quite pleased with the way it turned out. It was a win across the board. What initially looked like a disaster, right? Um, we figured out a way to make it work. So well, create, creativity is very important in your strategies. Yeah, out of the box thinking, creativity, and really thinking quick on your feet and recovering from, as you were saying before, recovering from failure quickly because, I mean, failure, it's, we need to account in, we need to account failure in, in every part of life. But if we don't recover quickly, if we don't recover at all, if we get owned by the failure, then, you know, we lose if we use the failure or if we use an issue, a mistake or whatever to actually turn it around and saying, well, we discovered this or this happened, we could turn it around, as you just said, and reshuffle the organization and maybe something great comes out of it. And because it's really dark time because of COVID and a lot of people are suffering, I'd say probably focus on uh, the good part of COVID. I mean, we were just saying this might give an opportunity connecting from remote to maximize the time, study a new subject or go and work out on yourself like me and Richard are doing, right? So just take the best out of everything that is happening around. Even though it's, it's like dark time, we're not going to be here forever, right? You know, it's interesting. For whatever reason, and I don't know if I have, I've developed this as a survival mechanism or as part of my DNA, but every single thing that happens, I take as an opportunity. Even when things are going great, I remember I lost my right-hand person mm-hmm. when I was so at one point, and everyone was going, oh, my goodness, what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm going to find someone great. I'm <laughs> going to get someone who brings something else to the table. Well, we, we can change things around a little bit in our structure and who does what, but it'll be a new beginning because, you know, after years and years of, of, of a team, mm-hmm. build get used to yeah, well, you build a chemistry and you get some good stuff, but you're missing out on the things on the peripheral because you're, you know, this is what you're expert in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You bring someone else in who brings a whole nother skill set and you go, wow, I can do something totally different now or that I wasn't doing before. Right. So even though I'm losing someone who's a friend and a great colleague and, and, and a wonderful worker, um, I'm, I have that opportunity to bring someone else in. So I actually, I get excited about when things happen, even when things that look on the surface really detrimental to, to my team or me or what we're trying to achieve. I go, okay, this is great. Now I have an opportunity to do something new and different. And I, I just look at everything like that. When COVID happened, I went, oh, this is terrible. All right, this is horrible. Yeah. But it does bring opportunity, as you discussed, you know, uh, speaking virtually, um, around the world, right? Instead of having to find funds to travel to Europe or Asia, right. I mean, I, yeah. so that that's one thing. 
but much more interaction with people locally for ISSA and OWASP meetings. We have people joining from around the country mm -hmm. uh, where normally it would have to be, you know, just who's here in LA after hours, who wants to deal with the traffic. We're getting a whole different cadre of people now participating because we, every month we're still doing our, our meetings. They're just, they're virtual. We continue to both OWASP and ISSA. So yeah, and it's, it's some, you know, every, everything that happens can be an opportunity. Yeah, has a silver lining. Look for the silver lining in all of things and the chance and the possibility to learn and reuse those time and reuse those opportunity to your advantage because that's how you win in life, right? Even if you fail, you win. <laughs> we use that method. <laughs> right. We can always take something away from whatever happens. Absolutely. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on-premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. Circling back probably in, in failure and in, in testing. So in, in recent time, you've been, you mean probably faced with a lot of tests. So what, what is the challenge on, on doing pen testing? What is the challenge of doing effectively assessment? And how do we present effectively assessment result in a positive manner so that people don't take it personally? Because let's get this right. When we do an assessment, we actually judge the work of people. So it's a very delicate subject. What's, yeah. what's your view on that? You know, it's interesting. When I was a CISO, and I was—I didn't mention—I was a CISO for 15 years. Right. Uh, uh, left public service uh, last year, and that's when I formed uh, Security Advisors LLC. But um, during all that time, there were several times where I had to do uh, some validation and vetting of our third-party business partners, people that were hosting for us or developing software or. It was difficult, of course, because companies don't want to let outside companies in to do tests. And I would say, okay, share with me results of your pen tests. You can, you can redact certain confidential information or I'll sign an NDA. And they'd send me a vulnerability report. And I would go, and this is going to sound familiar to many people listening. No, a vulnerability report is just the initial portion of a pen test. It's not a pen test. And so lots of that was an educational aspect of, of what I had to do with my business partners. Uh, a lot of people do not understand what pen testing is, right? Now you, you can have a social engineering pen test, which is mm -hmm. some trying to physically break into your plant or your company, right? Um, and we've seen what happens with that. There is the pen testing that occurs on your applications, which is a necessary See, that's the key word, necessary part of the software security lifecycle. Yes. has to be done, and many companies don't do it. They'll do their automated testing, they'll do dynamic and static security scanning. If you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it would be nice if there was some manual code review, too. But you also want a pen test. You want an outsider coming in 
Well, it doesn't have to be an outsider. It can be a, an area within your company. Someone who's going to actually see, hey, are, are these potential vulnerabilities actual vulnerabilities, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the, the network pen testing, which we talked about briefly before, where you, you go in and you, you can send an appliance to a company, let it run, uh, find out what's going on, and then you go in and manually see what you can, what you can break. Uh, because all these automated tools don't necessarily test a lot of the uh, logic in the application. Absolutely. You know, and that's the key right there. So I, I love, I love that point. I absolutely love that point. And that's sorry for interrupting, but I want to stress the fact that security testing, it's good for chunking out a lot of information, but pen testing, it's shorter and necessary when you want to test the application logic and you can create the most complex uh, software in the world. It never replaces a human looking at the human and experience looking at the report and maybe we can create some statistic and we're actually working on some of this stuff but it never never ever replace a human looking with experience looking at this and saying in the wild i've seen this one exploited so many times so you should fix this this and this vulnerability and this ultimately saved the organization a lot of money because it's that paid experience that give money back to the organization by shortening the time of certain vulnerability being uh, fixed before they get exploited, right? Yeah, you don't want to deal with that in real time. Uh, no. It's very, very difficult to do uh, for a variety of reasons, one of which is do you still have the same coders that you did you know, two, three years ago when you built it? Do you still have the, the comments in the code? Did they mm. do this good, good coding techniques where there's documentation? Uh, not to mention the increased cost of uh, trying to fix something after the fact rather than in the beginning when you could have. Now, yeah. you know, people write code so people can break code so that you'll, you'll always have issues. You're always going to have them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the stuff that you should have known about, right? Why, why is it that we still have SQL injection vulnerabilities when, when that was, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> discovered and and the fixes have been there for a long time you know parameterization what what's going on uh why and always also had done a really good job at, at clarifying how you can eradicate enormously that yeah so again you're not going to have a, an ironclad system but you certainly can take the proper steps and pen testing needs to be in there and it needs to be budgeted right what happens a lot of companies oh we need to hire a pen tester how much oh we can't we can't we don't have the budget for that. And we said, why not? Who's your project manager on this project? Right? So there's an education that has to occur between security and IT and, you know, in, engage with the, if, you're, if you have a project management office or a, a project team, uh, they all have to work together. To bake uh, in, to bake in that, security yeah. testing and pen testing as part of the life cycle. So I'm wondering if we should publish a blueprint of SDLC, but it probably will be ignored anyway. <laughs> well, again, the, the thing is that the, the people like us, we know about it. We've got to get the other, this, the C-suite involved, but not in, don't even mention SDLC to them. Just talk about risk. Keep yes. it high level and say we can't address the risk unless we're doing it properly um, and, and, and timely. Uh, but, but, you know, at the app dev folks, you know, when I was um, many years ago, 
before we had an SDLC where I worked, I befriended the head of application and development, made a conscious effort, you know, had lunch with them. Mm -hmm. uh, another piece of advice, you know, a 10 second snippet here. It, when you join a company, have a budget of your own personal money and take some key people to lunch. Yes, uh, there will be might, a lot of lunches as soon as you join. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, I can't stress that enough. It's human nature, right? You do something good for somebody, they will remember it. And that when that time comes in a year from now, when someone says something about what you want or your project, and someone else says, no, they, it, it sounds good. And if that person has any vote somewhere in the back of their subconscious, it was, oh, I had a good lunch with them. Nice person. You know, these subtle little things can help tip the balance. You know, I, I hate to say it's all gamified, but there's a certain amount of that in everything that we do in life. So, you know, I'm not saying do a dishonest or a bad thing. Make friends. Make yes. genuine friendship with someone you know, as much as you can. So, you know, that, that's, that's a key strategy, you know, get the application development person on board because then they have the ear of other people higher up the chain than you do. Right, because who wants applications to work? Now we're talking about marketing and the business people, right? Security, right. they don't get that, but they do understand these developing these apps. So if you got two people, the two-pronged attack going up and say, "This is what we need to do to be successful and safe," you've got a much better chance of success. Yeah, if it's the population that, uh, if the entire population of the and the C-suite that voice out that risk or. Uh, is coherent and cohesive in a message, then the organization will listen because they say, oh, I trust this person and I trust this person. If two people that I trust uh, or maybe one person that I trust delivers that message, then maybe I should listen. Right. And if you look at the structure that is in place in the majority of companies uh, where a CISO is reporting to a CIO, mm. those voice isn't always heard properly, timely, and to the right people. And so he needs to, or she needs to build allies. Right? Yeah. And that, that's really important. And hopefully one day the CISO will be where that first C means to be in the, in the C-suite, right? Um, and they, they can have a direct input about risk uh, with, the, with the heads of companies and organizations. No, I, I agree. It's it's a whole controversial um, discussion about where the C-suite and the CISO should report uh, in order not to be not to be constrained, if you want. But we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Otherwise, we can take hours and hours. <laughs> right. Uh, you know what CISO stands for, right? Uh, Chief Information Scapegoat Officer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard I had a better one probably some time ago and career is over. <laughs> that's a worse one, but Yeah, well that's for the CIO. I don't have you know, they have they have a whole different set of challenges than we do. Yeah, and, and I think some people don't see that the C-suite is under enormous pressure sometimes uh, of making critical decisions and, and putting their neck out effectively and aligning the risk to the organization. And still, that's fundamentally uh, a big risk. So even if you do everything right, you could fail because the organization doesn't align with you. So it's winning those heart and mind that people don't feel, don't realize. And I have a lot of 
friends that want to fast track their careers to the CISO level without having the proper experience because it takes a lot of experience and probably you, you can you can mention how much the soft skills and winning heart in mind is important rather than pure technical skill, right? Absolutely. You know, the the good news is let's not, you know, just doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, COVID-19's changed our landscape now, right? There's more aw awareness at, in the boardrooms. Uh, Security is now on the agendas the majority of time in all, in all the meetings. It wasn't always that way. Uh, unfortunately and fortunately, all the breaches in the news these days have uh, opened the eyes to a lot of people. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's there for us right now. It's, it's, a, it's a right time for us to make inroads mm -hmm. uh, because of the awareness that's been going on. Um, even our even our family members are now calling us all the time because hey how do I safely do this I've heard that this is the thing do I have to worry right you didn't have that a few years ago we're in the news my friend all yes. of us Zoom <laughs> Zoom is in the news how do I use Zoom securely <laughs> yeah yeah can I use TikTok Oh God, no, we're not going to go to TikTok. There is a whole debate happening right now in the US about TikTok, if it's secure or not. And I have a few friends that actually are doing a lot of research right now. And yeah, I think it's more political than anything than cybersecurity. But yeah, cybersecurity is on the mouth of everybody. Yes. So, you know, that's the good news, right? We just have to keep continuing with our efforts can't be dissuaded, can't, can't take rejection as the ultimate rejection. You know that it takes uh, a tiger 20 hunts to make a successful kill, right? Mm. So we're, we're, we're fierce tigers as security professionals, aren't we? I, I, love, I love the quote, we're fierce tiger about security professional resilient. And I think uh, I, I was about to ask, well, the silver lining or the 10 second uh, positive note about cybersecurity, but you just given it to me. It's like, <laughs> we're resilient cyber tigers. <laughs> roll with you want to roll with me, Francesca? <laughs> uh, absolutely. No, I, lo I love that. Anyway, Richard, uh, we reach unfortunately the time, but it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure to have you here. And I hope we're going to see each other in the very near future at the conference, hopefully sipping a drink next to a pool and chatting about cybersecurity as we used to. Thank you very much, Richard, for joining. And do you want to leave our audience with a last message or a last uh, information? Every morning when you wake up, look in the mirror and be proud of what you see. And if you're not, fix it. You should be. And there's no reason not to. Don't listen to the noise and chatter out there about you. You have to answer to you. That's, that's what I try to do. Sometimes it's difficult and I have to do the, make the tough choices, but ultimately I have to answer to myself more than anyone else. Absolutely, I love the message. And remember, we're all cyber tigers. <laughs> Thank you very much, Richard. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank everybody for listening to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. This is your host, Francesco. Wish you to stay safe. Thank you. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP. 
and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Thank you.